0: Welcome to another episode of the Millennial Momentum Podcast. It's your host Tommy Tahoe Alemo, uh, and I'm on a path for a better life. You know, I want to be um, happier. I want to be healthier. I want to make more money. I want to get promoted. I want, um, you know, this podcast to take off and have better relationships. And I want everything. And uh, I know you do too. And so my goal is to break down. You know, how millennials can break through to the next level, how you can get uh one percent better every single day at whatever your main goal is. And uh thank you so much. Really grateful that you're joining today, that you're listening. And um this is an interesting Monday uh episode. So I'm switching it from the regular Monday motivation, five to ten minute, get you fired up. This one this interview is a long time coming, so I wanted to to send this one into the atmosphere this Monday morning. Another long form interview, uh, and this one's special. This one's different. It's it's with um, it's with my grandfather, uh, who has the same name as me. He's the he's senior. I'm actually the third in line, um, but he's a cool dude. Um, so he, I was in South Carolina to visit his 80th birthday with my whole family a couple months ago and I you know, really wanted to have this conversation and I, and I learned so much you know one day after graduating college I went to dartmouth one day after that he married my grandmother uh and then he joined the navy um and then they were married for 50 years uh until she passed away a few years ago um and he when he got back he rose through the corporate ladder through sales he in 1983 he took over a business called Gare you know he'll refer to that uh, a few times so you know what Gare is. Uh, in 1983 he took it over as the CEO uh, and that's our family business, right So he's got you know he ran it and then over time my dad, my uncle and my aunt have uh, taken senior positions at the company. Um, and so he's still chairman of the board today. Uh, he ran at least a half marathon every year until he was in his 60s. He still either runs or walks or golfs about every single day in the morning. Um, and what was interesting was it was his 80th birthday and obviously, you know, there's, there's cake and there's ceremonies involved and, you know, usually when you bring out the cake, it'll say, you know, happy 80th birthday, grandpa, or something like that. Uh, But it didn't. It said, be bold and dream. And, you know, I had to ask him about that and he wrote the message to, you know, his three kids that were there, his eight grandchildren that were there, some of his friends. Um, he has a new partner now that my, my grandmother's passed away. So I wanted to ask him about that cake. You know, I wanted to ask him what he meant. You know, I wanted to ask him what it was like to marry someone the day after he graduated college. I wanted to ask him about running the family business. Um, I wanted to ask him what he regretted in life. I wanted to ask him all about his eighty years on earth and you know what he was planning to do for the rest of his life um and so i did so we sat down and we had this conversation loved it we we set up a great view on his porch uh you know it's right on a golf course so you'll have to excuse the negative uh sound quality sometimes with some gusts of winds and birds chirping so hopefully you understand that um and despite that you know i really wanted to get this conversation out to you so if you're ever wondering about um you know what people regret or think about or cherish or appreciate when they're 80 Um, this can give you some insight and I think learning from people uh, like my grandfather or like your grandparents potentially if you're lucky enough for them to be around um, is a great way to learn and and a great way to help you plan out the rest of your life. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Let's get right on into it. Grandpa, Tom Malimo Sr. (laughs) T! Youngest <laughs> of the three Ts. That's it.
1: Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's, it's, uh, it's an honor to be invited. I'm looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too. Um so we're shooting this in beautiful Bluffton, South Carolina. Carlton Bluff- River Club. Get a, River. Co- get a commercial in for the club. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, I need to get paid for that. <laughs> um so I'm excited to have this conversation. I think it's um it was something that selfishly has been something I'd want to do and learn more about your journey and you know, hopefully some of the, the listeners out here can can learn from it too so um, I know the, all the other grandkids want to hear hear some questions too so I feel some across the board so they'll
1: get a review of it they'll get a review <laughs> yeah
0: yeah good they'll be them. good um, you know so I want to start off maybe with a quick background from you um, mm-hmm. on a little bit about how uh, you know some of the early years in your professional career, so I know that you. I don't even know a lot of this, so I kn- uh, I know you went to Dartmouth, um, and graduated from there, and you were in, uh, you know, various positions in the corporate world um, mm-hmm. before uh, taking over and, and owning Gear, which which mm-hmm. you did for quite a while after. But I'd love to hear just a little bit from some of those early days and hear about the the growth there a little bit.
1: Well, that's that's a, that's a really good question because. It- it's it's so I think contrary in some ways to the to the current culture of the millennial as I understand it as an eighty year old understands it. But if you can picture this, you know I got out of school, uh, went into Marine Corps Officer Candidate School. Uh, after that, uh, got a job with a company called in- Ingersoll Rand because I had an engineering science degree. Your dad was what's called a class boy at Dartmouth. It's mm-hmm. the earliest. Uh, uh, son or daughter of a college graduate mm-hmm. and of, of, of your class. So the class in nineteen sixty, nine months in a day after we graduated. <laughs> and you got married, didn't <laughs> We got right married after? the day after graduation, yeah. up in up in Hanover. Mm. But the, the, to cut to the chase, so I went into engineering, and I, I really never really liked engineering, but mm-hmm. you know I knew it was a good discipline to have because we were. think about it in 1960 that's a lot of years ago and the technology revolution hadn't really started yet Mm -hmm. but I had a a cousin who was much older than I and a counselor at high school and he said Tom you ought to study engineering because it's that's where the future is so even though I disliked it I gutted it out Mm -hmm. and uh, then I after the service you know my first job was uh, with Ingersoll Rand and I Got into their sales management program, which was really a terrific program. Mm-hmm. So after you go through the training program, which was probably about eight to twelve weeks—I can't remember exactly—and we yeah. moved around to different places, as did your dad, because you know uh, he was born, he, you know he was a few months old yeah. when I graduated, or when I started my business career. And so I wanted to be a salesman mm-hmm. Why? because I knew. I, I wasn't a great engineer, and I loved people, and I loved to sell, and I, I loved to persuade, and yeah. you know I loved to solve solutions. Yeah. And so I went to my boss at Ingersoll Rand, and I said, you know, I'd like to be a candidate for the sales force. And the guy said, well, Tom, you know you're doing a great job. We're really happy to have you on board. But you're only 23 years old or 22 years old. Yeah. We're selling capital equipment. And our experience is you have to be in your thirties to sell mm. capital equipment. So by at that point in time, David was almost born. David was born like 15 months after your dad. So it you know, in, in less than two years, you know, we had two kids. Yeah, and, you know, they were, we, we couldn't survive. You gotta make a, some money. On, on, yeah. So I got a job as a salesman. I quit anchor solar. Went mm. to work for a company called Carborundum. It was a Fortune 500 company, and I went in as a sales trainee. And uh, it was a great experience and a combination of hard work and luck. Luck yeah. is critically important in timing. Um, I got a territory that was my first territory. It was, you know, it was they weren't selling anything, so they, they figured what could they lose? We'll put this guy out there after yeah. the program. That's how it always works. It turns out IBM is in my territory. Yeah. And IBM is working on the 360 computer. Yeah. And they had a little ceramic chip that they wanted for this this computer. They needed. And you sold it. Well, they had several suppliers, but they wanted more suppliers. Now, we didn't make that product. We Mm -hmm. made ceramics. Okay. And so the biggest job I had was to convince management to get into this business. Mm. And that was critical to my career Mm. because in making the capital investment to get into this, it got up to the group vice president who was a lot of levels beyond me. And so I got some exposure. So timing and luck was everything. And we went from selling nothing to in the first full year, selling a million bucks. Now wow. that does, that's not much now, but back, but back then, if you do the inflation, you know, uh, ago, th- yeah. yeah, it was it was a lot of money. And uh, I got my first promotion. and I became a regional sales manager within a very short period of time. So here I am, I don't know, twenty something ish. Yeah, um, because you saw that opportunity, yeah, and because you know most of the guys were were salesmen. I had, by this point, uh, not quite gotten my MBA, but I was getting working to get my MBA nights. Yeah. Uh, in fact, one of the big jokes was, every time I got a territory, I would start. So I started in Northeastern, and I was only in Massachusetts for nine months, and then they gave me a better territory, and that was in New York, where IBM was. And I wasn't there for all that long, but I started, the, we had to restart for yeah. the MBA. Uh, and finally, uh, uh, I got the degree in a, in a management program in Buffalo after I became, uh, University of Buffalo had a great executive management program, after I had become this regional salesman. So, okay. early development was... Uh, gutted it out to do something that I thought would pay dividends. I found I didn't. I wasn't great at it. I I wanted to become a general manager eventually, and I said I'm not going to be able to really uh, show my stuff as an engineer. I'm just going to be average. Yeah. And so, you know, luck and a little bit of. i've read some of your stuff about be bold i hadn't thought about it in those terms but you were then. i mean to push that But you know there was a certain without you know in, in all without trying to be humble which yeah. is not a strong suit of mine but trying to be humble um it was that was a critical element yeah in, uh, what came after that
0: and and then from there you were working up kind of the corporate ladder at different organizations yeah so i
1: i was a i was a the sales trainee then i became the regional sales manager then i became a director of marketing for uh, a group of businesses Yeah. and they decided the management was wanted to look at a different way to market their products and i, I was given that challenge and uh, worked it out successfully getting into the details i'm not sure is all that useful but it, yep. it required analysis and selling of the troops yep. to take on new assignments and so on. And that worked out very well. And then I got, at that point, I got a group. I became a group vice president. I was the youngest group vice president ever at, at Um uh, And, again, timing... Uh, Carborundum was taken over and that by, by Standard Oil. And Standard Oil was taken over by, was taken over by Kennecott. And that was taken over by British Petroleum. And so here I was at this point. I had the best group. I, there were five groups yeah. of businesses at Carborundum. And I got to run three of them. Uh, two product groups and one regional group, Europe, Africa, and the Middle East. So it it was a, I got a tremendous actual set of experiences Mm -hmm. from that company that, uh, and without going into the details, I started to say, you know, I want to go into business for myself. Mm. And so I was working with a team of guys. Why was that? Like for the challenge of it? or no because you thought you could do better because here i worked for like the president of the company and chief operating officer uh, and i still didn't have control i had a lot of ideas Mm. and some of them that i thought were very good uh for any reason sometimes good couldn't be implemented Mm -hmm. and and the 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 need to hit quarterly numbers which is critically important everybody has to hit their numbers but sometimes you hit the numbers at the expense of the long term, yeah. and that bothered me a lot. Yeah. Um, and so somehow I decided I, I was influenced by a, a boss of mine who mm-hmm. wanted to do a leveraged buyout. This would be back mm. now in the 70s, the, the late 70s, so we, we've sort of lost a whole bunch of years, but yeah. I don't think that's important. And so I learned how to do a leverage buyout, even mm-hmm. though we never accomplished one. Yeah. And then I went decided on my own that I would, uh, I could do this on my own. I didn't have to share 20%, 20% with yeah. four or five different guys. A little bit selfish, uh, but that's, you know, sometimes you have to be selfish. Yeah. Look out for yourself. And uh, I ended up buying here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the concept was that was 1983, so we've missed a bunch of years and we can go back if you want to, but uh, I buy it. Uh, I had no intention of the family coming into the business. Yeah, that's something I wanted to get the, into at some the, point. In the in the first year uh became clear we needed a we needed field sales. We didn't have any we didn't have sales, we had great products, we had great quality. But we didn't have good marketing, including good sales. Why Gare? Well, why that company? Well, Gare, it happened to be in ceramics, but that wasn't why I did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the truth of it is, it had the assets. I was trying to buy it with, I didn't have any money. I had two kids in college. Yeah. Uh, uh, Susan was, you know, much younger, but you're dad and, and uncle were, were in college, and I quit my job actually, mm-hmm. uh, because I said I needed full time to uh, dedicate to this, yeah. and by that point I had left Carverin and I had left and I'd gone to work for, for Uniroyal, and I had a contract, and so I, and the company was really struggling financially, and I was a fairly high paid executive. So we negotiated out of the contract, yeah. and I had basically a year. So this is 1983. I was born in 38. So what's that make me? 45 or so. Yeah. Um, and long answer to get back to the question: Why gear? It was doable. I could I could create the financing. It had the kind of assets where, with only as much money as I had, and I think I only had a hundred. Thousand dollars, yeah and it was a strong business, but it was undermarketed, mm-hmm. and I had to borrow four million dollars to close the deal, Oof. and so it had a, it had great assets, yeah, and it was undermarketed, yeah, and so that's why I bought it. I had looked at, you know, I don't want to exaggerate, but probably a hundred businesses wow. over a six-month period. I got in touch with bankers, with accountants, with lawyers in the Fairfield County area mm-hmm. uh, and eventually one uh, of the uh, actually was a, a, a department or a division within Arthur Anderson that did small mergers yeah. and I met them and he had Gare as one of a half a dozen companies that he was trying to sell. Yeah. He was a, a, a cousin. Seller was his client, and he was looking for buyers. Right, and that's how it got to be Gare. Interesting. Again, it's it's sort of luck, you know. It's hard work, but it's it's also a degree of luck. Yeah. You keep digging. You keep networking. You keep finding people who can get you to at least closer to where you want to go. And Gear came up, and I looked at businesses like revolving dining rooms uh, that, that were in Marriott hotels, but they were too much engineering. I didn't yeah. want to be in engineering. I wanted to go into something that was, to, to a degree, consumer packaged goods, even though I didn't have that kind of experience, I thought I had skills in that space.
0: Yeah, interesting. And, and so you mentioned that you didn't want, originally, or you didn't necessarily plan for it to be a family affair where now it definitely is a family affair so I'm curious yeah. how how that shift happened and how um, you've been able to handle the, the delicate balance of <laughs> mixing that's family a- with with business which seems like something that's just tough to do across the board you know what's the first part of the question
1: the first part is, is how the family got involved okay so I started on that and then I drifted away we needed a sales. Your dad was uh, graduating from Denison, and uh, he was looking for a job. And so I said to him, "You know, I I got a job here as a fuel salesman. Never had one. And so he joined us in '84. Yeah, in '84. So I bought it and closed. It closed in July of '83. Yeah, I bought it in, in in July of '83 your dad joined at some time after graduation. So it might've been the day after graduation. I think he came to work pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, And uh, so he was doing, he he did a good job. So transition to David joins the company. Yeah. David graduates and he uh, had worked, well, it's not important where he had worked, Uh, but I was starting a venture. We had these products that we manufactured, that we sold to do-it-yourselfers to try to simplify it. And, um, but some of the products were very, very unique.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I decided, we're going to try and get those products made for us somewhere in the Far East, because that, they were very labor-intensive. Yep. And we're going to market those. And so we set up, I set up a company called Southport Limited. Okay. And I said to David, David, this is a flyer. you you want to be in advertising you could be in advertising but here you could you could here's a business you can be the general manager of and let's see what you can do with it it's very speculative i'm not sure what's going to happen it turned out that not through any fault of david's but we were competing with people like yadro name probably doesn't mean much to you so let me characterize the company as uh, the companies as High-end finished ceramic mm. figurines and yeah. stuff, and we like had twelve products in our line. So this guy, me, who's supposed to be a good marketer, makes really stupid decision to get into this with such a narrow line mm-hmm. at a fairly high price point. Uh, but uh, so we ended up shutting it down. Yeah. But David showed himself to be a great. Have great design skills and mm-hmm. so he stayed with the company and so now there's two kids in the business yeah and I like it yeah you know it was not a job yeah in fact you know that's a key thing for anybody in any place in life you don't want to find a job Yeah, you want to find something you love that you like so much it's not a job it's, yeah it's fun It's 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 really and so now there's two members of the family Susan didn't join until several years later and unlike her brothers she went to work for another company first yeah. which if coming to the second part of your question if i had a chance to do it over again i wouldn't have hired tom and dave right out of uh you would had college i would have had to work someplace else. else because i was a very demanding boss yeah and they pictured that we've all had difficulty playing the role of Separating the role from parent-child yeah. to you know working superior business owner worker and uh, my style which was demanding uh, and wasn't conducive you know mm-hmm. I was part of the problem if you will mm-hmm. in terms of getting the family to adjust to working as a family and a business yeah. But it, it worked out, you know. We 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 worked it out, and they were patient with me, and I was patient with them, and we we finally were able to uh, to make it work. Yeah. And the third part is not necessarily a question you asked, but so now Susan joins, and each of the three kids, your dad and your aunt and uncle, have different skill sets. Yeah. And so and they respected each other a lot. So Dave ended up becoming president, because it was very design and marketing driven. Your dad became the CFO, and also handled operations, because he really was a great manager of people, and he was the strongest financially. And Susan was a super salesperson. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it, it worked. A family business because we trusted each other yeah and there was enough skill to make it work yeah that each of them brought uh, strong sets in different areas yeah. and each of them and I I was willing to delegate to them but they were willing to be to trust their colleagues if you will yeah that worked yeah. I don't know if that answers your question no it
0: did it did I, I wanted to I wanted to actually put a pin in um, what you were saying a minute or two ago about how um, you know, some of the advice was that you, know, you don't want to necessarily work because what you've been doing for however many years hasn't felt like work. Like, what's your fa- what has been your favorite part of being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, and my, my anticipation is that it might be similar to the questions that you were trying to do for sales. Like, solving problems and, you know, being someone that um, can look at a challenge and figure out a way around it, but I'd be curious on
1: why you have enjoyed it so much. Uh, I don't know, but it reminds me, I got a warning from one of the investment bankers I was talking to before I bought Mm gear, and he said, you know, he he turned around to his credenza and he opened up drawer and he pulled out a folder that was about this thick I mean it was like three or four inches thick yeah he said these are all resumes of guys who are as successful as you in terms of your work experience only some of you are going to be able to make the transition from corporate leader with all your staff like tell me about your staff I said well you know I have. I'm a president of a group worldwide so I have a great staff he says, size deal you can afford to do, you're not going to have a great staff. You're mm-hmm. going to have hardly any staff. So,
0: uh, so. That was his question. You like, why are you different? How do you differentiate from that
1: other people in the stack of papers? Yeah, and I said, well, I, I, I think I'm hands on. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like to do different things, so I think it'll be okay. Uh, little did I know that when I bought Gare in the first month, uh, I introduced um, an accounting concept that we had in the corporate world called cycle counting yeah. where you go in and count the inventory and make sure you're not your inventory control systems aren't getting screwed up or in this case people things aren't being stolen yeah and we had a small brush business I think we had a hundred thousand dollars worth of brushes in inventory that's what it was supposed to be and it was like only seventy thousand yeah, and it turned out that the employees were stealing the brushes, mm. the whole shipping department, and uh, so all of a sudden, you know, this guy who has all this staff. I look around, I don't have anybody. you got any skills, uh, nor do I. Yeah, but it was challenging. You know, it, it was it was fun. How how am I going to solve this? Yeah, uh, how you know the insurance company wouldn't pay me off because they said we're not sure you took didn't take the brushes now we know you're a good guy but we need some evidence that they were really stolen yeah so i ended up calling this is like in the first two months that i own this business i call a meeting of all the employees and i say we have a problem Uh, and uh, it's really a serious problem and it's one that i'd like to avoid involving outside parties and i mean the police because we have uh major shortfall in our brushes and it's clear to me that it has to be an inside job and so uh, I'd like I'm gonna stay here I'm always here after 430 when everybody leaves so I'm gonna stay here and I'd like whoever is involved to come forward and if you come forward I don't know what I can guarantee you, but I will guarantee you that I'm not going to call in any outside parties. And that afternoon, one guy came in, and I <laughs> learned that the whole shipping department, there were five guys in shipping, yeah. were responsible for stealing the brushes. So, you know, what am I going to do? I can't yeah, lose yeah. my shipping <laughs> department. Yeah. But uh, uh, it's an example of, I think turning a problem into in, an opportunity and I loved doing that yeah uh, here you we worked out a situation where they were going to pay off the insurance company so it was everybody won they could keep their jobs uh, uh, I wouldn't uh, report them to the police for stealing and, uh, and you didn't lose your team and I did lose my team and you know it was just a, a, a great situation and a great learning situation yeah. for me, and one where when you talk about the difficulty of going from the the, the the organized public company world where you have terrific staff, where if any of your listeners want to go into business for themselves, they have to be ready to do things that they've never thought about, yeah. and not be intimidated by that. And, and, Figure out a way. I have to look at that as a challenge. Yeah, I didn't realize that I might face this. It might have scared me off from running right. my own business. I don't think so. But uh, there's a lot of unanticipated things that uh, the entrepreneur has to face.
0: Yeah. So one, you know, one thing I wanted to get into. Um, we're here down here for your 80th birthday, and um, you know, we had cake the other night, and. Usually when it's someone's birthday, it'll say happy, you know, whatever birthday to the person on the, on the cake. Uh, you kind of flipped the, the, the role and kind of had a message for the grandkids on the cake, which was be bold and dream. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'd be curious to know from you what those four words
1: have meant for your life and what you meant by that message. That's, that's a darn good question. I, I don't really know how to come at it. I think I should come at it first by saying that if I had more space on the cake <laughs> I might have uh, I might have added in something that said you know analyze and analyze you know you don't want to analyze so much you get bound and you can't be decisive and make a decision but dig beneath the veneer mm-hmm. so uh, be bold look at look at new opportunities as an op- new challenges as an opportunity uh, maybe that's I don't know what precedes I don't know if bold precedes or being capable of dreaming precedes yeah. but a big thing that I didn't put in there as it all goes together is analyze enough to make sure you're comfortable I, I've always I, I won't take you through you don't have time but there, there's a, just a lot of Part of my philosophy became in being bold, well, figure it out, decide what you're going to do, and then know you're going to jump over the cliff, mm-hmm. but step back and say, okay, what could go wrong if mm. I've if, if I, if I screwed up, um, and if I've missed something? So be bold, dream, analyze. and. What I meant is whether that's in your personal affairs, mm-hmm. your business affairs, your uh, social affairs, uh, we only come this way once. Yeah. And you want to leave some tracks and you yeah. want them to be tracks you're proud of. Yeah. So be bold, dream, analyze, leave those tracks the one thing that i would like to add yeah and i think it's really apropos uh, in this in the u.s right now in the world right now um i had recommended a book to you thinking fast and slow mm. by this guy daniel hanneman or kahneman Ken, yeah. uh, and he, he he defined two ways of thinking at things yep. and when i was writing dream uh, dream left off analyzer some approx. something about analyzing before you jump and make sure you, you you've thought it through I thought about uh, thinking fast and slow you know fast is and both are good mm-hmm. but you have to know where you are in the spectrum am I a fast thinker or am I a slow thinker and what the author talked about was on the one the fast thinker is is quick, uh, intuitive, Um, the slower thinker is more deliberative, uh, more analytical. And so often, the obvious is wrong. Mm. And you really have to dig a little bit below. Talk to the team at GEAR, you know, your dad, your uncle, and and your aunt. I'm always challenging them to are you sure that's right? Why don't you think it through again and take the other side of the argument mm. and see if what see what sense that might make. And if nothing else, it might not change your mind, <clears throat> but it might help you decide how to implement. Yeah. Because I think the fourth word would be implement. Yeah. Be bold, dream, analyze, and implement. Yeah. And I remember when I had a major assignment at Carborundum and it had to be presented to the board, and the board were like the chairman of IBM. was yeah. Tim Larson was on the, uh, on the board. And I remember him saying after this presentation, he said, you know, I've always believed, and this tells you something about our society, it was when women weren't that much in the work environment. So he said, you know, I've always believed in betting, betting on the man, not the plan.'" Mm. And so a major lesson that I learned in that was your plan is wrong. Mm. You just don't know where your plan is wrong. Yeah. Your end result goal could be good and might be able to be reached. But invariably, in the process of putting the plan together and implementing it, whether it's a sales call that you're making or whatever you're doing in your current role, Yeah. Um uh, you're going to have to improvise. That's like
0: they say for sports or for business. Like You hire for, you know, the, the, they're gritty and they're a good worker and they're coachable. And in some of the other software skills, you can teach them. That's um, right. But it's, you, you hire for the man or the woman. Well, that's, you know, I don't
1: know how many of your fans are, are Patriots fans or, or hate the Patriots, but I, I look at that franchise as like an incredible fans. business. Yeah. You know, they, they hire people with, who are broadband yeah and who are hungry, yeah and who want to be a success, and if they don't fit up you know they get they they, they get rid of them, they can yeah. be pretty brutal, uh, and so I think that's an important lesson for for all of us to
0: remember, yeah, so is that maybe this ties into it but i'm I'm interested in you know when you're thinking about those four words or four phrases um has there been a lesson or a phrase or even a person that has really shaped your life the most when you think about um, when you have a big decision to make or um, you're not quite sure where to go or you're going through a new phase in life has has there been any phrase or person that you go back to time and time again that helps to guide you
1: No, I, I haven't I have to, I'm to say I haven't thought about that very much Yeah. but what what, what I the first thing that came to mind yeah when you asked that question, and I was saying, "Where's T going with this question?" Is you know, I was really blessed to have great parents, mm. and they never—they they didn't even get to high school. I'm not sure they finished the eighth grade. Wow! And uh, they were second-generation Italians. My dad's parents came from Sicily. My mother's parents came from Naples area, and. Their overwhelming goal for myself, I was the oldest, I had a brother, Len, and a sister, Bernadette. Their driving force with us was, we want you to be more successful than we were. Mm-hmm. And they did everything they could to help us be more successful uh, than they were. So, and, and, and you know, all your accomplishments were on the refrigerator yeah. back in those days. And so I think that there's so many experiences and so many people guy named jack wisby and he was a seasoned uh sales manager uh and he that's when i was a regional sales manager i inherited 12 salesmen who none of them were were less than 50 and had been in the trenches forever yeah you know and they sold to steel mills, and they talked in four-letter words, and they drank two martini lunches <laughs> and would finish it off with a black Russian, but this guy, Wisby, uh, gave me a chance, yeah. and he said, keep your nose clean, you've got, and he, he may have said, be bold. Uh, so that was important. Any a guy that was important was the chairman of Carborenda, who was there for 15 years I left and was recruited back and he he introduced open offices so all the executives there are no walls yeah so he was really on the leading edge of of creating atmospheres Mm. that were conducive to openness and willingness to handle conflict and so if I had to go back to the people and I don't do this often enough probably who played the biggest role in, in helping to make me who I am. Yeah. For good or bad. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be my mom and dad, yeah. and that guy Wispy, and that guy Bill Wendell. That's cool. You That's It's interesting to hear. But you know, it's, it's I've been very lucky. Yeah. Uh, I, I you know, I'm not a brilliant guy. I you know I'm nowhere there was a lot smarter guys than me. When I got to Darkness, you know, I thought I was hot stuff. Basketball captain of the golf team, president of the class for three years. I was only one of hundreds of guys who had those kind of skills. Right. So it, it, takes, it takes motivation. It takes work ethic, and that's why I go back to my parents. Yeah. They, they you set this. the stage yeah. that said, you know, you've got to be better than us. Yeah. You have to accomplish more than us. Yeah.
0: Nice.
1: I like that. Um,
0: how about? We got a few more for you. if You're good with that. Okay, um,
1: i I've got that. We've got the Look at what a great place we are for this interview. Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> Gotta get the, we got the um, So you you just turned 80, uh-huh. and um, you now I was telling people in in San Francisco, I was going to South Carolina to visit for your 80th birthday. I think uh, most people thought it was you know one of those kind of like. Uh, you know wheelchair events or everyone's just kind of stuck maybe surround you on a chair but <laughs> you're out you know we played golf yesterday you probably outshot me no I don't um, think so you, know, you outdrove me for sure <laughs> <laughs> you're running and walking um, every day or most days and traveling the world you're going to Italy later this year and still uh, I think chairman at GARE chairman of the board right. um, so I think physical and mental health has been such a huge thing for you and and still to this day, but I'm guessing throughout your whole life, like, what, what is that, I guess what the question is, what is that meant to you? And, and how do you, what's your philosophy on like, how that all kind of interacts as one? I think a lot of people neglect
1: certain areas there. Well, you know, I was, my dad played softball when he was 50. He's yeah. a very good athlete. Uh, he's shortstop. Um, uh, so that, that was an important influence yeah you know the marine corps uh training at officer candidate school uh when i first started running i didn't run in college uh but i first started running and you know ran you know a half marathon once a year up until i don't know i was 60 maybe uh and then i had to temper temper uh back but uh it's just an, an attitude, a, a, a healthy kind of attitude. I've been yeah. exposed to you know good primary physicians who talked about the importance of, of staying uh, staying in shape. Yeah. But the you know the one thing you talked about was was emotional. I I think that while people say I'm I don't look 80, I don't act eighty. Your question and <laughs> comments sort of suggest that, and while that's really gratifying to me. Uh, but I think what I'm proudest of now is, and I think uh, uh, I became very reflective as as grandma went through her terminal illness and realized that, you know, this was the time to give back. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm proudest now of, you know, putting the message on a cake like, be bold and dream. But another thing I do here, in fact, out on this golf course, there's a guy who has Parkinson's, and I just met him through a friend. Mm-hmm. And I take him out here, and we play on a cart. You're not supposed to be on a cart out here. Drive up uh, to the tee, and he hits the ball. And he used to be a good golfer. You could tell the way he holds the club. So I, I like, I'm trying to give back. I'm, I'm a mentor in the boys club. Uh, once a week I meet with Depends how many kids show up. Yeah, They might be, uh, but they're sixth graders. They're 11 years old. They're yeah. single-parent kids. It's tough. Uh, you know, we live in the South, and so a lot of them are African-Americans. But we have, uh, you know, Orientals. Uh, we have some two two-parent kids. Yeah. But working with those kids every week on a different subject, whether it be the value systems or bullying or... How to handle bullies, or, or, or uh, <laughs> how to handle money. Yeah. Uh, but to, to take the challenge of trying to bring some of these kids out and make a difference, I think that at eighty, uh, that's what I look forward to most now. Yeah. Leaving something. Like uh, a legacy, or like a yeah, path. Yeah. You know, of I breadcrumbs. I, 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 I had suggested another book to you, which you know I don't think is as good as, as uh, is Thinking Fast and Slow, but altogether different. The Road to Character that David Brooks wrote, yeah. and you know he talked about. And I don't think it's ever too early. Mm-hmm. And I am a late bloomer to this, and I wished I had become involved in this sooner. And that is, it's not about so much about your resume. Yeah, but you are building your resume because you have to. We could, you know, you want to make a living and you want to make a difference. Yeah. But at the same time, I think you have to you have to you have to be ambidextrous. You have to think about the resume. You have to think about your eulogy. Mm. What what how do I want people to remember me? Yeah. Do I want them to remember me as a fast track corporate guy who then bought his own business and was successful at it? Or do I want them to remember me in more terms than that? So, when you talk about coming here and seeing good old Grandpa, and I'm not in a wheelchair, yeah. Uh, but I'm, I, there, there's some less obvious things that are important to me than, you know, trying to improve my chipping and putting and yeah, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, So I don't know if that answers your question. No, it does. It's, uh, it's 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 clearly an important yeah. part,
0: and I think part of the staying sharp is helping other people and yeah. staying in touch with younger people and um, what is what is the what does the outlook look like for the rest of your your life on earth like what is there anything else that you want to accomplish or outside of maybe spending more time with family
1: or giving more back is there anything that stands no, out no, nothing stands out if there was if there was one thing I'd like to do sort of selfishly yeah and it it ain't getting any easier even though <laughs> My age is... I'd love to shoot my age. In golf. Yeah, in golf. Now, I could... You know, I qualify for the senior tees, but I refuse to play <laughs> it. But to, to shoot my age... Yeah, I, I, a huge ego. And, <laughs> and that's, that's... I've had to manage. Yeah. When I said, you know, I wasn't all that humble. Yeah. Uh, but anybody who's gone to... Not anyone, but I think most people who are bringing the... Uh, be bold, dream, uh, execute, analyze. They ha- you have to be ego-driven. Yeah, uh, You have to have some amount of ego and some amount of pride and some amount of fear to fail yeah. in you. Uh, you have to, uh, you know, as you did in your tennis career, you have to be willing to stay out there longer than the other guy and just yeah. wear them down. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. So, trying to shoot your, shoot your age. That that would be wonderful, to, to to live long enough to see that I made an impact on some of these kids in yeah. the in the uh, boys and girls club of yeah. Lowcountry Country here. Yeah. That would be special. Yeah. Is there anything that you regret, mm. generally? Uh, well, you know, you can you can look back and see things. You could have done better. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the one thing in, in in getting ahead in business, you know, I really was not that great a dad. I don't think. I yeah. think your dad is a better dad than my than I was. I think David and Susan are better parents than I was. You know, for four years, I had a job where I had an office in London, and home in uh, in in uh, Lewiston, New York, mm-hmm. and your grandma raise the kids at a critical age. So I regret that I wasn't able to do a better job during a part of my life in uh, having an impact on my three kids. But you know, God looked out for me because here, one of the best things, and we haven't talked about, is in gear, I've been able to mentor the three kids. Yeah. So I've been able to transfer as best I can whatever skills I have to them. And I know they appreciate it. I know they. And so my one regret, and it's a huge regret, I think about it a lot, uh, that I could have done better yeah. uh, as a dad. Uh, I got a
0: second chance. Well, that's what I was going to say is that, you know, you, yeah, I just think and you about took it. advantage of it. And clearly, exactly. um, you, know, you guys had a lot of quality time together over the, yeah. th- what is and it, And some of it not-so-quality. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. You know. Interesting. What are you, um, I have maybe one or two more.
1: Um, okay, I'm enjoying this. <laughs> um, what are you most proud of? I think I'm most proud of my kids. Mm. Just think about this, you know, we had everybody but young Dave here, because he's off in Rome, but Mm. I don't know, you you may remember when, and I mentioned this briefly last night, I think, uh, in June of 70, just before Grandma passed away, and we had our 50th uh, uh, wedding anniversary celebration in the north end of boston yeah and i was thinking what can i say at this dinner and what was so natural was that here were the family my kids their spouses the grandkids and without grandma and me none of that would have happened yeah and so i'm proud to share uh that experience that we created. And you were married for 50, 50? more than 50 years? 50 yeah, because we something? were married the day after graduation, June 13th, 1960, and Grandma passed away in November of uh, 2010. So over years. And 50 that party years. that we had, we were celebrating uh, uh, our 50th wedding anniversary with the kids. How do you do that? How do you how do you stay married for
0: fifty years? It seems like in today's world that is uh, becoming,
1: unfortunately, a rare breed. Uh, well, you know I don't know if <laughs> your listeners uh, are religious or not, but whether you believe in a god or a higher being or what have you, I'll never forget the uh, instruction that the priest gave the grandma and me mm-hmm. uh, at our wedding. And he said, it's all about sacrifice. Mm. It's all about putting yourself in the other person's shoes and uh, working it out. Yeah. So, you know, you could, you could apply, be bold, dream, and implement to that. Yeah. Because no marriage, as good as they might look, is perfect. It takes work. Yeah. And that was the message of this, of this Father Nolan who married us in Hanover takes work. I hope you're up to it.
0: Yeah, it's not just like you know, all sunshines and rainbows. No,
1: yeah.
0: no. no. Interesting. Um, so I got one more. I got Emily in the studio audience here. Emily, do you have any anything you want to add in? Well, I'm just honored to be able to listen. This has been really <laughs> special for me to, you know, one, get to see my brother interview um, on his podcast, and then also to get to hear my grandpa speak, because I think a lot of these questions are good for all listeners of I all think, ages.
1: I think a lot of this, you know, was a first time for you guys to hear it. Yeah. No, it's and maybe it's, in, in a few of the questions, a first time for me to think about some of the questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've enjoyed it. It's been it's been a, it's been self relieving, revealing, yeah. uh, to me too.
0: Yeah. Well, I I think one of my philosophies about doing the interviews is that I want it all, I want it to at least help me out. Because um, if it can help me, then it can help out other people too. So, and this has been, it's most. I didn't know most of the things that I've asked. Um, so it's it's interesting um, and cool. I guess my last question would be, I always ask this to people if, if they would. Um, you know if they had advice for their 25 year old self and I think this is more applicable than usual because in a way I am I'm 25 and you know, we share the same name and um, so I'd be curious if you were in my spot or someone like me if there's any any advice as
1: part of comments for this conversation well I i think to tie a bow around it you know uh, believe in yourself mm. work hard yeah. Love it. Be humble. Yep. Make friends.
0: Period. Period. Love it. Cool. Well, that was a great great uh, conversation. Thanks for Emily, for the live audience. Yep, honored to be here. Thanks to the fans, and we'll be back next week uh, with another interview. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to that episode. Really hope you liked it. Uh, if you did, if you found any value, wherever you're listening to this, Uh, Please head on over uh, and give it a five-star rating. Subscribe, review, whether it's on the iTunes app, whether it's on Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, if it's there. Um, Really appreciate you. You can find me at TomOlamo.com, T-O-M-A-L-A-I-M-O.com, for the blog, all the show notes, and Tommy Tahoe uh, on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Find me on Facebook. I'm everywhere. So thanks so much. Grateful for you. Have a great week.